On Sunday, we were, uh, we were talking about the simple process of how the kingdom of God works. Does anybody remember where that is? Mark chapter 4, 26, it says, here's, the, here's how complicated it is. The seed first, the, you know, gets planted, first the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. Uh, the harvest is ripe, the sickle goes in, and you're harvesting. And that's referring to the way the kingdom of God works. It also refers to the kingdom of heaven working like that because how many of you know the kingdom of heaven is inside the kingdom of God? Everything is inside the kingdom of God. Uh, and then on earth, he tells us that that same process is in motion here as the kingdom of God that Jesus came here to show us. Something that was completely blinded to every single human being that existed on the planet up until that part. Nobody could find the kingdom of God, although Jesus said, it's right at hand, it's right here. And what he would began to show us was, this is how simple the process is, get the word of God and process it through this mechanism in order to see the fruit of those words, the blessing of God upon your life. Uh, the problem is, if when you state something is super simple, but it's so hard to do, it can create a contradiction. And so what I'd like to continue with discussing, we talked about last time when we were here in Matthew, it says that, you know, hearing you don't hear, seeing you don't perceive because the hearts of the people had waxed gross, my Bible says, or become dull, your, your Bible says, that they closed their eyes, they closed their ears. And so there is this activity that, uh, there's a number of things we're gonna talk about before we get into the, the word of God so that each one of us have the power against these natural human forces that we have. And so I wanna take a little bit of time to explain to you uh, just a, a simple concept about the way our soul works so that we can understand a couple of the items that will complicate or make this very easy process a difficult process simply because we don't know how to do certain things or make sure that our soul is, is prepared and doesn't reject the word of God. Is that, are, we, are we okay? Okay, so the first one that I wanna talk about, a critical error in our modern culture. Our modern culture tells us that what we have to do to figure stuff out is to look at the facts, right? We would say, seeing is believing, prove it to me. If you prove it to me, then I will believe it. And so we've got this mindset that has been in our culture now for a few hundred years where seeing is believing and the only thing that's real is the things that we see. Now we know from that that uh, if you go to Hebrews chapter 13, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse three, uh, the, the Bible talks about that God used faith, used believing to create everything that has been created. And so that's clear then that while our culture will say, if I use, I, I will use the facts to decide what I believe, right. rather than the f realizing that facts exist because of believing. And so you see how we have, we have the equation back to front, because do I use the, f can I actually use facts to determine what I believe when the facts only exist because I believe? Do you understand? And so our notion then that says, uh, you know, the things that I believe in my head already, which I have, 
through a very diligent process of data collection, experience collection, analysis. I've listened to other people. I've read lots of books. I've thought about the experiences and I've used all this probably 15 years of my life to determine the things that I believe. The problem with that whole equation is what I was examining to determine what is true are the facts that are all around me. But the only thing that made those facts be facts is that somebody believed something that produced those facts. And so it doesn't take long before we can go, wait a minute, how do I know whether or not the things that I believe are actually true? I'm hanging on to them for dear life because my soul is very convinced that it is right. It's not, that's not, maybe not, a, you know, we could say that's prideful, but it's based on years and years and years of careful decision-making to determine what's right. I, you know, nobody likes me. Uh, you know, that's not true. I, I, I could tell you 400 people that hate me right now. I'll give you their names and addresses, their IP addresses. And, but it can't, but it maybe, but is, does it make it true because it's a fact. That's where the problem comes in. Our soul is not trained in seeing things from that perspective. And it prevents us then, when the time comes for us to be able to uh, make a decision, if we're still holding on to my facts, my belief systems, which is now based on facts, and I'm resisting God because I've got all this evidence, tabulated, cross-checked, spreadsheeted that proves to me that I'm right. God just says, no, you're not right. Because he has no facts in a sense. I know there's lots of facts. Let's, you know, I could show you a bunch of facts too that, you know, there are some people who actually like me. But the, the, the decision-making in your soul has got to start by saying, there's a good possibility that a lot of what I believe to be true is just based on facts, and the facts are really based on what I believe or what somebody else believes. As we come into this world, Olivia gets what Mike and Jess believe. That's the world that she lives in, right? So that doesn't mean it's the God world. I hope it is, but I don't mean that. So we grow up and we learn things in that way. And so here's what's important about it, is if we use facts to determine what we believe, then we are stuck in a self-perpetuating cycle of only getting what we've been seeing. Does that make some sense? It's like we are now committed to a life of the status quo. Nothing will ever change if you build your belief system on the facts. How many of you say, well, that's definitely not what I'm looking for, right? Uh, like th so, so the question is, do I believe what I see or do I see what I believe? Because the world would say, you know, just because it's a circle, right? I see, I believe, I believe, I see, I see, I believe, I believe, I see. Where did it start? That's, what th that's what's important. So let me ask you a question. Uh, we each are richer than 95% of the rest of the world. Is that what you believe? Think about it for a moment. 
Because you can all say, I don't know. I don't I don't got, I don't got, I don't got enough. I don't got enough. I don't got enough. I don't got enough. You see? Watch now. The fact is you are richer than 95% of the world. Which determines the reality of your life? Does your reality, is it based on the fact or is it based on your belief about it? What would you rather be? Would you rather believe that you are richer even if you are not? Or would you rather go with the facts that you believe you are not even if you are? Sorry, am I being confusing? <laughs> I, think, I think it's important to determine this because it's how our soul works. Is it better for me to believe that I am rich even if I'm not? Is that better than to believe that I'm not rich, even if I am. Which is the better life experience? The first one, by how much? There's no comparison between the two. Those two things are on opposite ends of the scale. And so clearly, it is better for us to not base our belief system based on the facts as we perceive them. Because everybody in here says, I'm not richer than 95% of the world. You haven't been very far then, but you are. And so stopping for a moment and realizing that my soul has been gathering the wrong kind of information right. to make a decision about what is true and what is not, what is worthy of being believed and what is not worthy to be believed. Or it is automatically suspect because I'm not sure how I decided that that was the truth. A lot of the work then is, you're, 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 as we'll talk in a minute, we are, we're focused now because we recognize, wait a minute, the light that is within me could actually be darkness. I think it might be that way. And it makes an attentiveness to me. Number two, why is it so difficult for us to engage in this simple process of receive the word, First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Put in the sickle for the harvest. The second reason I've discovered in my life is that God speaks a different language. This is kind of a difficult thing. It's going to make sense in a second to you. But I know God speaks English to you, or if you're French, he speaks French to you. If you're German, he speaks German to you. So he speaks to you in your native language. It's kind of cool that God knows all the languages. Isn't that awesome how smart the guy is? But... He speaks to us in our tongue, but he doesn't speak in our language. And what's important about that is that God speaks truth. He has never said anything that wasn't the truth. What happens if God would say something that isn't the truth? It would be the truth. Why? Because he said it, right? He's, God determines. His voice determines what is true. And, he, and anyways, uh, the language of truth produce, is, built, is built on three things, faith, hope, and love. So that means God, his language can only be expressed in a way of faith, believing the things, obviously, since it is God, believing the things that are what God says. Hope, it's always positive, 
and it's always, in, it's always increased, it's always a good future, it always produces the right expectancy, and love, it always prefers other people, not itself. So, you know, for example, I've been through this for years and years and years, you know, God, I need money. God's answer to Ian was, why don't you give that guy over there 10 bucks? Excuse me, God, I, I, you're not listening. I said I needed money. <laughs> Do you see what happens? Yeah. See, when God talks to you, he does not talk to you in any language other than love. Yeah. If he wants you, he can only tell you to be a blessing to somebody else. Does that make sense? When we go through these, like if you go through the Beatitudes, you know, you just go through all those, blessed are the poor in spirit. They're nothing good about being poor in spirit. <laughs> Blessed are they who, ain't nothing good with people who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's the people, that's the people that people walk over. Blessed are the meek. Meek are weak, right? And he goes on and on. Blessed are they who are persecuted. And so we have, he's going like, this doesn't make sense to any of us. I'd like to be the weak guy in the, in the schoolyard who, you know, is just loving and peacemaking that the bully beats up all the time. That's a, that's a real bonus. We don't think like he thinks at first. And so when he speaks to us, when truth comes to us, there is this disconnect because we speak different languages. And it's very difficult at first for us to understand what he's saying. And certainly difficult for us to treat it with any real force because it just doesn't make any sense to us. We speak, our perspective, typically when we start this journey with God, we speak the symptom. I need, God, I need you to fix this thing I see in front of me that's creating a lot of problems for me. I need you to fix what? The facts. God speaks to us in, in, in a way that says, I'm going to fix the root. When I fix the root, the root is going to fix the facts. Does that make some sense? And if we don't, we're not careful, you know, because God is saying to me, Ian, if you need money, it's because you're stingy. <coughs> Gee, they're right in the chest, that one, eh? Wow. And God knew that. Because, I mean, if, when you become a generous giver, then there's a flow that starts happening in your life and you, you don't run short anymore. And so he knew the problem. I don't want to face the problem, but he knew the problem. And so he was trying to deal with the problem. He needed me to understand how to fix this problem, not just today. He wants to fix this forever. You know, show yourself friendly. You know, go, to, go, sit, go talk to that person over there. I'm not talking to that person over there. I'm going to sit right here until that person comes and talks to me. Right? But God says, you know, on your way. I'm trying to fix the fact I'm lonely and nobody likes me. And God is saying, here's what I need you to do. And he fixes the problem. Now, I'm still going to maybe stumble. Maybe that guy still won't get, you know, whatever. But... I'm, trying, I'm starting to learn because I'm hearing what God is saying. I'm getting his perspective. And I'm actually listening to his perspective. I'm obedient to his word. And in the riding of the bicycle, I'm learning how the bicycle works. I'm getting, I'm, I'm uh, by reason of use, the Bible says, I'm starting to get it. Where I wouldn't have got it before. Now, I'd just still be sitting on my stool going, why doesn't anybody talk to me? This church don't have no loving people in it. You know, that, that happens. 
That happens. I feel bad that that happens, but it's a legitimate thing that we're facing when there's so much of this pressure on our souls and we don't get what's going on. And when God gives us instructions, he's like, I ain't doing that. And we prevent the process from beginning its work in us. And I, can I tell you something? This is, the, these issues, you, they're not just, oh yeah, for heathens. They, they, no. There is a place where this has to go on. We have to be willing to engage in this process, realizing every time God is wanting to challenge a belief system that we hold, and that happens continually. Because there's belief systems that God's okay with, but when you get to another level, now he needs to deal with those belief systems. And then you get to another place, okay, now I need to deal with these ones. Okay, now we get to, now we got to deal with these ones. And we have to maintain this, this attitude towards the Lord and his word so that we're never in that. You say, I don't ever want to be, you don't want to go to heaven and say, I, I told you that. You never told me that. Look, I watched the video right here. I told you. Problem was, you know, it went in one ear and out the other. I want to, how many of you say, I just want to, I don't want to be that person. I want to be that one that, you know, I'm in, I'm not in this because I, you know, I'm fooling around. I'm not in this because I, you know, I needed a job, right? I'm in this because I, this is what I, I want my life to discover some things about God while I'm here on this planet so that, how many of you say that's who I'm at? Number three, so okay, so number three, this one's gonna be a little, turn with me over to Mark chapter four. You know, this, this one will help you a little bit. Still in Revelations 18 there. Um, Because there's there's a concept here that we really need to grasp. and a lot of the times when I try to explain this to people, it really offends them. Um, and so arm yourself right now with, I'm just not going to be offended. You okay with that? Yeah. Um, so Jesus talks about the parable of the sower here. Then his disciples come to him and say, you know, what's the deal with you talking in parables all the time? And... Um, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said unto them, and to you it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto them, who's them? Okay, so Jesus is in a, you know, whatever. He's on the knoll and he's talking to a whole massive group of people. And he's telling this parable of sorrow, which I think he told at the beginning of every conference, because he said, if you don't know this one, you won't know any of them. So obviously you start here. And so he taught this same thing to everybody. And then he said to his disciples when they got him alone and they asked him, what's the deal with talking in parables all the time? No whiteboard, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, And he said to them, well, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but unto them, the people who aren't now with Jesus as he is reclining in the, you know, in the green room after his preaching session, uh, he says unto them, it's not given to know. Oh, wait a minute. How can that be true? Isn't Jesus wanting to get the word into everybody? Isn't he wanting everybody? He doesn't want to be clear. Doesn't he want to be concise so that if there's 5,000 people there, every single one of those people is able to hear him clearly and understand him clearly? No. And that's going to offend you in the sense that until you understand what Jesus, why Jesus is like that. This is a very important distinction because we want to be those people who are understanding the mysteries of the kingdom and walking in the seed, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, and then he's put in the sickle, the harvest is there at 3,600 full. How many want to be that person? Yes. Okay. So you have to grasp this one thing. And Jesus is saying, 
I speak in veiled parables so that, so that the people don't hear. That seeing, he's got in parables now, seeing they may see and not perceive. Hearing, so the guy's sitting in the, in the pew right there, and Jesus is talking in such a way that that guy can hear what he's saying, but doesn't understand it. He can see the drawings on the whiteboard, but doesn't know what they're about. Think about that. It's just like, gosh. This is why in, in, in James chapter four, now you have to, this is careful now, you have to grab onto this. In James chapter four, verse 17, it says to us that to him to know, who knows to do good, which is God things, right? Knows, knows to do the right thing and doesn't do it. What is that? Sin. It's what? Excuse me? Sin. Uh, again? Sin. Sin. So how many of you think Jesus would be really interested in encouraging you to sin? That would not happen, right? That's definitely not what Jesus would be looking to do in your life. No. So the problem here is that Jesus knows that there is more of a journey with the word of God that they need to engage in because there's a process that's going to begin to be ignited in the word of God is what we're going to talk about this. But that process, the next level of the process after you hear the word and you receive it with gladness. That's the, that's the disciples, because now they hear it, they're excited about it because they understand it, they've got it. The next thing that happens is persecutions and afflictions come to steal the word. But the person understands it, they got it. And then they didn't persevere and so it's not long before even though they got it, they understood it, that they're not doing it. They've, they've slid backwards. Do you see that? Yeah. To that person to do that which they know is the wrong thing sin. is sin. And what Jesus is trying to prevent is people just receiving it with gladness if they don't have at least the inkling yeah. that they're going to persevere with it and stay with it through the trials and tribulations that are going to be a part of this process of receiving the word and getting it all the way to 30, 60, and 100 fold. Do you see that? What is that saying? And this is, it's gonna mess with you, mess with me. That means I need to qualify to understand. That's almost nasty sounding, eh? It means that there is gonna have to be at least a readiness, it's an intensity, it's a grasping that has to be there. I gotta, you know, I'm looking to go for lunch. Jesus has been preaching now, well, he's only preaching for six minutes here, but you know, baby back in the day, that was a lot. And so they're done with Jesus and he's gone off the back of the stage and they're all wandering away to go get lunch. There's a couple of them that showed the intensity, they showed this quality that says, Jesus said something, I don't understand what he said, so I guess it must be question time. 
And so that means wherever he just went, I don't know where he's going to eat or where he's going to drink or where, what he's going to do to recline for the afternoon. I'm going to go find him because I got a couple of questions. First one being, what the heck are you talking about? Because you said it's better to give than it is to receive. And that is a bunch of hooey. It is not better to give than it is to receive, better to receive than it is to give. And they ask questions and they keep asking and they keep asking by the fact that they had the intensity to come into the equation and say, I must have this qualified them at least at that level. That doesn't mean you're going to persevere when, it, when, when the affliction, the, the, the difficulties or whatever that would be that are going to attack the word to try and get it out of your, get it out of your life. That doesn't mean you're going to be persevering. You may still fail in the persevering, but I can, t- I can promise you one thing. If you don't have the tenacity to skip lunch in order to ask a few questions, you ain't going to persevere now. And so Jesus is saying, I'm only doing this to sort of put the seed out there, to put the little, you know, I'll do a little, little, little video, a movie trailer, and we'll see who's interested to come in and, get a, and, and show some tenacity, show some I need this in their lives. I want this in order to get it. Does that make some sense? So how do you position yourself then is the, is the final bit that I'll share with you tonight. How do you position yourself to hear when you are predisposed, your soul is predisposed to reject it? Especially if you're over 12. Anybody in here over 12? A little bit to it, right? You get over 12, all of a sudden you start to lock stuff in, right? You're already, you've kind of done a lot of analysis. You've kind of picked a lot of things. And so then now through your teenage years, you're going to be experiencing whether, whether you're going to get some validation as to whether what you believe is actually right. You start getting some validations and now you're locked in, right? I already know that, that, you know, I thought I was poor, but now I know for sure because I got to the teller and the teller tried my card and my card didn't work. Okay, yep, yep, yep. I'm one of the poor ones, sure enough. Then, the, then my belief systems are validated through a couple of years of my teenage years, locked in. Everything after that now is suspect. I got to be that person that lines myself up with the right thing. Every human experiences this when God is trying to show them something new. Every single human being. Don't feel bad. The preacher needs this. The archbishop needs this. The person who gets saved, hasn't got saved yet, needs this. Right? So don't feel bad that we have to learn a little bit about taking possession of what's going on inside of our head particularly in certain situations. You never outgrow this tendency of your soul. You're never going to outgrow that. Your soul is always going to want to reject the word because it doesn't understand it. It's outside of its realm of understanding. That's where God's trying to grow you into because it's all about getting your belief system to change. So he's always pushing you beyond into realms where you think he's wrong and you're right. And that's always going to be happening in your life. As you mature, uh, hopefully we mature in these things, the benefit of it is to realize when we talk to God, when we interact with his word, we're actually looking for the scriptures that we don't agree with. Our culture is very different than that. Uh, We go to the church where the preacher tells us everything we already agree with. (laughs) Right? We write, we read books of the stuff that we already agree with. We shouldn't be doing that. I mean, you can do that if you want, but it's not going to be not going to be anything new for you, right? I want the, I want to hear about the God that Alex knows. Yeah. He's the same God that that I know, but he knows him in a different way. Tina knows him in a different way. Melissa knows. I'm interested 
in hearing, right? I'm open to hear that, and as I want to begin to discover some things that maybe I don't know. I want to be reading scriptures that I don't necessarily agree with, and I want to focus on the fact that it's like, whoa, I would never have said that. I certainly wouldn't have said that in that context. I want to focus on that and say, wait a minute, that's, that's my new gift. That's what God is trying to give me because it's lighting in my heart, not because it's validating my point of view so that I can, you know, really slam somebody next time I get them on Facebook. What you're supposed to be doing is I want to be hearing what I don't yet understand. I want to open myself up to God speaking to me in those areas. How many of you say that would make sense? How do you do that? Right? Okay. So this is, at least for my life, what I have learned about this process is you must start with a fear of the Lord. You must start with that. In Proverbs chapter 1, uh, 7 and 9, 10, it says that wisdom, as Pastor Tina was praying and prophesying before I got up here today, wisdom is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning the be, it, uh, wisdom is the beginning of knowledge. Sorry, and then uh, Proverbs 9.10. Where am I here? Proverbs, that in the Old Testament? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is in 9.10. Proverbs 1.7, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So what he's saying there is that there is a place of my attitude towards the Lord that opens up my soul to receive something in a very different way. So here's the thing. Look, watch this as an example. You know, you, you and your, if you're going out, you, you know, a couple of you girls are out driving around, you know, having some fun. And, you know, a car full of, with a couple guys in it, they come and they tell you to pull over. Right? Okay, think about how you would react to that situation. Heck no. Different situation. There are a couple of girls are in the car. You're kind of just doing your thing and a car pulls up beside you and it's got, it's, it's black and white, red flashing lights on top, got the word police on the side. They tell you to put over. How are you going to do now? Right? You, that's a whole different situation. Why? Right? The difference is who's saying it. Right? And I know that you have the authority. I know that if you tell me to pull over, I had to pull over. Because it's it going to get real bad if I don't pull over at this moment. It's same as that if you felt the difference in your attitude towards those two situations. That's kind of like what we have to begin to uh, nurture in our own soul. We live in a culture that is very strongly vocal about the fact that there is no God and that the Bible is just a book. And so a lot of us have been affected by those forces to varying degrees. I remember the one time, I, I've told the story before, I was a little boy at the time when my, my father's mother, my grandmother, uh, we were playing around. I was at my aunt's house and my cousin and I, uh, there was a person in the home. My, my, I'll fill in some of the blanks for you. My aunt had gone through a, a, a lot of battles with cancer. And so there was a whole raft of wigs that were in their room. And so her, my, my cousin and Jean and I, we were playing a game, we were dressed up and all that, putting all the wigs on. And then we went to 
uh, Granny was in the next room. And so both of us put wigs on and we went and said to Grammy, hey, Grammy, look at our new hair. Now you'd think Grammy was gonna be, oh, you're so good. She jumped on us like stink on an ape. And she's, why'd she do that? Because she said that was a, where are you? That was a lie. And it's like, whoa. And I've thought about that over and over and over all of my life. The level of fear of the Lord that was in people in a previous generation. Now we live in a culture where we say, yeah, I have, I have a fear of the Lord, a lot more than you anyways. That don't mean I have any. Do you understand? In earlier seasons, different seasons, when people had a different relationship with the Lord, maybe we've matured a little bit. Jesus is my homeboy now, so I don't have to be afraid of him. But yeah, wait a minute now. God is right 100% of the time, and he's told us that he's not going to judge. Our words are going to judge us. The word of God is going to judge. All of these things are going to be there. We don't do things the way he's asking us to do them. It's not going to be as good for us if we do do what he says. And we have to be able to be in that place where my first attitude towards God when anything about God is being spoken is at attention. Yeah. I love watching stuff on, on churches. You know, when they say, okay, let's read the word of God. How many of you have seen these videos? Everybody in the congregation stands up. And guess what? They have Bibles. That's a kind of cool concept, right? Why? Because they're trying to stand up and alert their soul. Wait a minute now, you know, we can tell, we can have Ian tell a few jokes in a moment, but when God is speaking, I want my soul to, to embrace it at a different level. Like the difference between the one car with the bunch of the goons in it and the car with the, with the police in it. I, how many of you know your heart tells you the two are different? I need to get, do what they tell me to do and do it right now. What that does is it alerts my soul that it has to focus on something differently right now. God is going to speak and I really need to decide, is my belief system aligned with what God just said or is it off? In order to do that, I realize my soul, if I believe it's off even slightly to what I already believe, throw it out. I don't bother with that stuff. I already, I already decided how the world works in that area. But when God is speaking, I'm gonna make my soul begin, at least at first. After a while, I think we get better because we recognize the weird thing that God said. We've gotten used to the fact that that's actually right. And the weirder, the better. But at first, we're not used to that. At first, our soul is predisposed to toss it out. It must start with the perspective that it is true in spite of my opinion and the litany of facts and experiences I have tabulated in support of my present belief. It begins by perceiving it as true even if I don't understand it. Why? Because I have proven it in two ways. One, that it has an authentic source. Two, that it has a credentialed source. It's like if, if, if a Warren Buffett came in here today and said, you should buy Apple shares. And you're thinking, wait a minute, Apple is at the top of their game right now. Just missed their high mark, by the way, just the other day. I don't know if you knew that. But he says, buy it anyway. You're thinking, you're not. Nobody buys at the top. He said, who's at the top? Now you would say, I'm right on this one. Or you have to say, Warren Buffett knows something I don't know. 
Do you see that? What am I doing? I'm going to test the source, and I'm going to test the credential. Does he know what he's talking about? Okay. Richest, one of the richest guys in the world. Okay. He may, may, may know a couple things. And am I hearing it right from him? Do I know that I can be confident and it's clear what he has said to do? Proverbs 4, 7 says this. Wisdom is the principal thing. Truth is the principal thing. That word principal means the first in place, time, order, or rank. It means it's the most important thing. I think, which you may not believe, but I think the disciples believed that. I think when they were listening to Jesus, they knew, Jesus, you have the words for eternal life. You are the truth. Now, you said something. I haven't got a clue what you said. But I know it's the truth. And I'm looking for the truth. The truth is my treasure. It's my pearl. It's the principal thing. But I'm tr I gotta get my soul to really grasp that. What would you rather have, a dollar or the wisdom to make a dollar? Right? But you have to, it's, it's like in our culture, we can see this in our culture, because the word of God has never been so prevalent, ever, ever, in all of history. But we still are not seeing the manifestation of the sons of God. We are a little bit. And so we have to realize that, and that, that's everywhere, right? I don't care what denomination you are. I don't know, you know, I don't care religion. It's not anywhere, really. We have to be honest about that. Or at least you have to say, well, maybe one or 2% along the road. A couple groups have this much and they have this much and some people have this one and they have this one and they have that. But we're not up where we need to be. And so we all need to say, you know what? Let's go back to the beginning again and realize, okay, there's some real issues that I can tell are in my soul when the word of God is spoken. That it's just like, yeah, hmm. is, that, is, that, is this making some sense? Because if I can just get the seed to actually get through and get in my heart, now there's a couple things I need to do in order to make, and we'll talk about those things. But... The, one of the main areas that this happens is that the, the seed is rejected or, you know, it's scattered very quickly so that I can't get it, is in this place of my soul understanding it. I have to get to the place where my soul will understand it. And so put your hand over your heart and say, Lord, I'm really ready for this level. I know you're bringing me in to a living understanding of the blessing of God in, on, and through my life. So these things I know. I know God is real. I know the Bible is true. And I know that Jesus is Lord. Because I know those things, I know that the Word of God is the authentic source 
of truth. I know it possesses the words of God. And because I know that, I know God is real. I know the Bible is true. And I've decided that Jesus is Lord. Because I know that when the word of God, the authentic word of God, is released, I declare my soul will pay attention. My soul will understand. My soul will seek it, discover it, grasp it, understand it, and not let it go. I am a truth seeker. I declare the truth is the principal thing. The truth is a pearl to me. The truth is a treasure of great value. And when treasure is being released, I'm going to be right there to grab it. That's the truth. I'll live out of that truth and the blessing it creates for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.